0: Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network from France. Now, I talked about the Wallabies yesterday um, and the disappointment that a lot of people in rural and regional Queensland would be feeling after they bowed out in the preliminary rounds. Tim Horan is talking to me from Paris this morning on Rural Queensland today. It's 11.30 at night over there. Tim, good morning. Thank you. And good evening to you. Thanks so much for giving me some time, mate, on Rural Queensland today.
1: Thanks, Dom. yeah, it's um, a bit of a sad sort of week, isn't it, for the Wallabies after they finally had that, um, you know, Portugal beat Fiji but didn't beat them by eight points and then, of course, the Wallabies don't make a quarterfinal of Rugby World Cup first time ever, so first time in ten Rugby World Cups, so they're about to get planes back to Australia. And But there's still a lot of fans around and, you know, I think the disappointing thing for fans is Yes, the Wallabies won't be there, but I think we go down to Marseille tomorrow. There's two quarterfinals down in Marseille. The first one will be Wales up against Michael Checker's Argentinian team, and then on the Sunday, uh, England will take on Fiji. So there'll still be some gold jerseys around, I suppose. When you, you know, when you come from the country areas, the rural areas, and you save up money for three or four years to go to a rugby World Cup, you're never guaranteed. That your side's going to go all the way, but you hope they make a quarter final at least. So, well, they've never tra- yeah, history will show Eddie
0: Jones. History will show Tim, They've never they've never not made a quarter final. So I mean, everybody can bank on that. And to be honest with you, you're a two time World Cup winner. You're a Golden Boot. You've won Player of the World. I mean, as a proud Wallaby, and I mean this, and you're a country bloke as well. Yeah, everybody wants the Wallabies to do well. Every single person I talk to at the moment, and yes, there's a lot of us on the bandwagon. There's a lot of us who only come in and out and we don't pay it. I get that. But that has been from over the last 10 to 15 years, you know, a decline because of the way things have been run at the top end. So something has to change. It has to change because – Yeah, I think
1: yeah. I think what will happen, Dobbo, is a will be – and I I hate looking at reviews, but there'll be two reviews, I reckon. There'll be one of the Rugby World Cup and the performance of the team, the performance of the high-performance team, which is Eddie Jones and his assistant coaches, and why that didn't work. Uh, And then the second review will have to be on rugby in Australia. I think country rugby, grassroots rugby is reasonably strong. Um, Women's program around country areas and around Australia is very strong at the moment, and building. So review on how we give people hope in the next two to four years British Irish Lions in 25 home World Cup in 27 how do we build a better player base for one and a better coaching base for number two and how do we build that up next couple of years so that's, that's the challenge uh, first of all after the, the aftermath of what's happened here at the Rugby World Cup is Eddie Jones if Eddie wants to still coach the Wallabies it's a good young team individually there there's probably five to seven of these players who potentially can be really world-class players. You know, Mark I say Angus Bell, um, Isaiah Parisi, you look at those type of players, Tate McDermott, that's your next generation yeah. for these Wallaby players and this Wallaby team. So, time will tell. Eddie Jones is going to put his hand up, say, yes, I want to coach this young team the next two years. And then I think Phil War, who's the CEO of Rugby Australia, the former Wallaby player, a 79 test matches for the Wallabies, he's got to get in a room with Eddie and say, Eddie... Mate, let's thrash this out. Why did you go and have an interview with Japanese rugby, if that was the case? If you did, why? And do you want to coach this well team and What can you do with your assistant coaches and also the selection process moving forward?
0: So talk to me about, um, and I mean this, talk to me about the, the whole story with that and how it actually comes to that you get to a result where we see improvement. I understand reviews. What 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 needs to happen? Is it outside money? Is it some to, to try and keep these players or how do we develop? Because going and buying players isn't the answer. And you know that as well as I do. But it gives you a short-term fix. But how do we get from under-18s, Queensland, Australian schools, and that transition all the way through super rugby to the elite of the Wallabies?
1: Well, I think it's going to be – you need a bit of a short-term hit between the next two to four years. And I think we've got, we've got about probably 85 9% of the players to compete against the British and Irish lines. You might need a couple that get parachuted in and whether that's from rugby, whether that's from rugby league, wherever it is. But I think the longer-term plan post-World Cup in 27 is we have to start – we identify talent really well in rugby, but it's the retention of that talent. So in private schools – and I know the game is a lot bigger than private schools. It's a lot of state schools as well – we need to go to state schools around the country and find under-15 rugby league players or under-15 rugby union players and put them in pathways for rugby. Because rugby league. There's, you look at you know there's NRL, there's NRL players in private schools now in grade 11 already contracted to go to the Broncos, the Titans, the Roosters. So they're playing rugby. We're giving them a good education and then all of a sudden they're, they're off they're for the next two or three years and we don't get them back. So... Rugby has to get a couple of big benefactors, which they're working on. Hamish McClellan, for all his weaknesses in other areas, he's pretty close to getting some big benefactors for the game. And if we do that, because we don't have big broadcast funds, though, like, compared to AFL and NRL, they have a massive broadcast budget that they can use that, those funds to contract those players in grade 11-12 and keep them the first two years after school. That's the challenge for us. That's not going to get us players for 27 World Cup. But post that, if we can fix that little pathway, I think we'll be a long way to fix it. But also retaining Australian coaches as well. Dan McCullough's gone offshore. Laurie Fisher, Fisher, Andrew Friend has just come back from coaching on. So they're very good coaches. Enough coaches around, but a lot of them apply their trade offshore. We need to get some back to Australia. And the coaching talent and the playing talent to grow that player base.
0: That's the thing, mate. There's no two no two ways of looking at it, other than you know, grow the talent from within, and hopefully it takes time. Can we turn it round quickly? than you know, the next World Cup. I mean, I don't think we win the next World Cup, but I mean, we've got the British and Irish lines here in two years. Can we be competitive at that level, or is that going to be a stretch?
1: Oh, definitely, don't like, Yeah, you look at the Kenny O'Tupo and those type of players. There's, as I mentioned, there's a really good core of these young players. I just think through Rugby World Cup individually I thought we played reasonably well but as a collective we just didn't have any direction and whether that's at fly half, whether that's at 15 that spine of a, of, a, of a back line, I think we just struggled to to get some cohesiveness within the side and it's a shame because you look at all these other teams and you know they've got wonderful 10s who direct the game, Owen Farrell for England um, Johnny Sexton for Ireland and you know, there's two quarterfinals in Paris this weekend, which the top four teams in the world are going to be playing and two of them are going to miss out on the final. So the first match, you know, Ireland are going to take on the All Blacks on Saturday in Paris and then France are going to take on the Springboks on the Sunday. So... Massive weekend in Paris, and then the other quarters, as I mentioned, down in Marseille, which we'll head to tomorrow.
0: Yeah, the, the, the rugby need to look at that. There's no way the four best teams should be playing each other in a quarter final, but that's a whole other stat.
1: No, and but also, also, <clears throat> what I've seen in this rugby World Cup, and it's hard to tell, you know, NRL followers or AFL followers, but it's a global game. It is absolutely massive. Every single stadium is packed with sixty to 80,000 people, yeah. and I reckon with France playing in Paris, you, you could you could fill that stadium 10 times, uh, and the atmosphere at the first game, the All Blacks first France was probably one of the best atmospheres I've been to the sporting event, and as you know, I've been to you know Many. Super Bowls and Spanish football games, the, so the game globally is massive, we just need to try and find a way in Australia where we're competing against a couple of codes to find a way to retain our talent.
0: Yeah, well said. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being with us.
1: Thanks, Dom. Thanks, everyone, for supporting the Wallabies. We'll just keep chipping away the next couple of years and with everyone's support you know, in the country areas where all the youngsters come out and you, know, you take McDermott's or you know these players that go and do coaching clinics, I'll still do that and I'll try and find a way to get back on top.
0: Good on you. We'll take a break, come back with more.